always put the coffee on You'll find me bathing in the sun I hear it's warm in L.A. Downtown In a backroom bar buzzing Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining um, the Higher Ground Society podcast. Uh, this is going to be our third official conversation with an Alabama creative. Uh, and I'm very excited about who we have with us today. It's uh, C.A. Jones. Tell the people what's up. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you for having me. This is uh, this is exciting. Yes, I'm so um, very honored really that you decided to that you agreed to join me for this conversation um because i really admire your work um since i've been following you at auburn uh, i've just enjoyed watching you and um from a distance kind of really <laughs> uh, make music and everything and so i'm really excited to jump into um learn more about you because i don't really know much about you so uh, yeah. this will be great um so i guess just to go ahead and start jumping right into it tell us who are you? <laughs> <laughs> that is a question I ask myself every day. Um, my name is Chandler um, and born and raised in Alabama, specifically Florence, uh, the Muscle Shoals area. And I've been playing, writing music, creating art most of my life. I started started drawing as a, a really young kid and mm -hmm. then probably picked up music around 11 or 12. Okay. Started writing songs. And since then I've just been following, <laughs> following the thread of that, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, I, I like to ask this question because I don't think we've actually talked about this with any of the other folks on the show so far. So did you do music kind of, you said you started drawing at 11, but like, were you in band or anything or like, yeah. yeah so well, yeah. tell me about that. And in, in like high school, you know, like I was a band. Nerd. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I started uh, on alto saxophone nice. in fifth grade. <laughs> and so I played that all throughout middle school and high school. Um, but it, but it was around sixth grade, seventh grade that I started my first band. Okay. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, so my dad at the time, we still lives in Nashville. And so I was going up there, you know, a lot, mm -hmm. uh, to visit him. And so I kind of got a taste of the music industry and, sort of studio life and yeah i mean i was in uh screamo bands like <laughs> sad emo acoustic bands um but i always had like my own even though i tried to be a screamer and played a lot of rock music <laughs> i always had my my own sound apart from that sure. um but yeah, we would go up to, to Nashville at the studio my dad worked at and and would do some recordings. And then in high school, I played keyboard in my friend's band. And yeah, I've been playing music. And then that kind of led me to Auburn after that. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to Auburn, War Eagle, um, <laughs> so you said your dad worked at a studio? Yeah, he's a songwriter. Country songwriter. Wow, that's what a charmed life, like childhood. That sounds like to grow up in that kind of environment. I would. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so, like, do we know anything that your dad has written? Is it like? Yeah, uh, if you yeah, if you're a country music fan, okay. um, his biggest song was called "One More Day" by Diamond Rio. Okay. One more day, one more time. Sunset, <laughs> maybe like that. It's. Uh, that's, that was a big hit. Um, and then he's had songs for Reba McIntyre and George Strait and, you know, just kind of the whole whole gamut of them. Yeah. Okay. So, well, and I was never, I was never a, I liked the songs he wrote, but I was never a country music fan, really. Even though I was going to Nashville all the time, it, it didn't appeal to me until kind of later on in life. Gotcha. I, 
It's it's probably I mean I don't know it, for me country music is very nostalgic. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, because I didn't grow up listening to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't like oh. no matter whenever I listen to it now, it's just like oh I, I dream of our remember my childhood listening to country music. What, what does that mean? What is oh, yeah, nineties <laughs> well, country was it's it's the golden era <laughs> or one of the golden eras, you know. Sure, sure. I still nice. break out in some Shania Twain medleys. <laughs> <laughs> Time. Gotta love Miss Twain. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um, yeah, you said you mentioned Auburn. So you came to Auburn. Tell us about your stint uh, at Auburn University. Auburn University. Yeah. Um, I moved there in 2010. Okay. Was my freshman year. And I knew that I wanted to start a band and to get into the art community there. And <clears throat> I, I think like my, my first, or maybe I was down there touring, touring the, the campus. I went into, it was called newsroom at the time. Yeah. Uh, it's now Mama Mocha's that, that space. And I walked in there and I was like, Oh man, this, this is like, this is a hub for something, you know? And there was, there was these uh, show posters from, the Pine Hill Haints, and they were like a band that I used to go see all the time back in Florence in high school. They started in Auburn. And so I was like, okay, this is where I need to. So every day after class, I would just go and drink coffee there, nice. read and try to meet people. Um, and then, you know, shortly my first semester, I ended up, getting in contact with um, the Lehman Group, which was a, a nonprofit yeah. art organization there. I went to a, a mixer they had, ended up meeting people there, uh, Doc Waller, who ran that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, let's do a, a video series of your music. And I didn't have a band then. So I was like, okay, great. Uh, and so quickly, somehow I found uh a cellist and a violin player and really a whole band and really the first couple months of me being in Auburn. And we did this video series. I'd been writing a bunch of songs. Um, and then it kind of formed to Adventure the Great, which was the band I had throughout college. Yes. And you guys were really outstanding. I really, I think I saw you perform a few times, primarily at um, the Earth Day Earth Fest day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually have some cool photos of you guys from there. So if you ever want them, I can I, you know, <laughs> that's when I was kind of getting into my photography life or whatever. Yeah. And I yeah, you guys are awesome. Um uh Sean Bowman, your yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, amazing cellist. Yeah, and yeah. then uh Happy I think the Cappy play with you guys too. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. I mean, you guys were you I mean, I think honestly, you were kind of my so it was, it was between therapy, the band therapy. Do you remember therapy? They were, no. uh -uh. they were a little, um, they were all like seniors, students, whenever I came around or uh, seniors or super seniors at that point. So they're kind of a, a, a I, I don't want to get shunned for saying this, but an older breed, <laughs> if you will. They're phenomenal. They um, did like R&B, neo-soul, funk um, music. Cool. So between you guys, uh, uh, therapy and Adventure the Great, you guys are kind of my introduction into the band scene at Auburn, which I came up here just very oblivious and did not even expect that. I just, I mean, and which is kind of a part, integral part of the college experience, you know, music and college bands and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I think you guys were the first two bands that I really paid attention to. And I'm, I'm glad that I did because it was a really good experience. Kind of colored the soundtrack of my time here. So, cool, man. Yeah. Happy I mean, and I had no idea that you, like, you said, like, literally months. So, like, within the first fall semester of college, you started a band here. You came down here with a purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, like, I didn't really want to go to Auburn initially. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm glad I did. I don't regret it at all. But I was like, you know, I wanted to go somewhere with a music scene and I didn't know what was going on there. Um, and, and thankfully there were some, some bands and a lot of house shows going on at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the independent was a music venue on Opelika road. Mm -hmm. And then eighth and rail was in Opelika and standard deluxe. So there were, there were spots that I knew that like, okay, moving to Auburn, I, this was like a goal to play in these places. And there were already local bands playing there mm -hmm. that I was trying to befriend. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it just having that band, it, it gave me a sense of community. It, you know, brought a lot of creative people together in Auburn that, you know, for whatever reason, there's always been that spirit that runs through that town, you know, even though it's surrounded by Greek life and football life, there, there's a, a creative spirit that is really strong mm -hmm. and that community that is there. And I assume is still, still thriving. It's like, it's very unique, especially in a small Southern town. Absolutely. Having all of these artists, progressive thinkers mm -hmm. kind of band together, actually hang out, collaborate. Yeah. It was, it was a special time. I can definitely do that because again, I came in on the tail end of that. Like a lot of my friends here who are here are here now um, or in Auburn now, um, mm -hmm. they are on that scene. They're part of you know the music, and I'll, I'll never forget. I went. To, so I also didn't party a lot. <laughs> I didn't get out a ton in yeah. college. But when I finally did, I was going to these music parties, uh, house parties rather. And I think I forget. Oh, I forget the name of that place. A uh, Burton place, I think, or it's on uh, Glen, where Acre is now across the street from there. Uh, there's one one of the early parties there, and there was just so many people who were all and like people would come in and just share instruments, and everybody would just take turns playing music and vibing. I was like, "What is this? Like, it was so beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. experience." And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you were a part of that. Uh, it sounds like it was a part of some formative uh, years for you. It kind of informed um, uh, how you kind of move forward. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it totally was, and and a lot of a lot of the music that are right now, the kind of mythology was created in Auburn, e even on this, this new record, the velvet hour, which is really some, a project that I had been working on conceptually since, since Auburn, since like my last okay. year there. Okay. Um, and a lot of that has to do with these sort of uh, mystical encounters with with the muse, with the spirit, how to chase after that, how to surrender to it, kind of those themes. And, and all of those, those themes were what I was trying to write about in Adventure the Great in Auburn mm -hmm. and how I was trying to live my life yeah. back then too. And, and still am, but yeah, very, very creatively formative years for me. That's beautiful, man. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, uh, I guess too. I don't know if I knew this, but what were you studying at Auburn? So apart, <laughs> it sounds like you should have been a, like a I music degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't study very often, but <laughs> I ended up getting. I think it was called radio, TV, and film back okay. then. Uh, I think it's changed the name at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was so focused. Like I started in communication no i started in anthropology because i wanted that's why i chose auburn okay uh, and then i switched to communication and then yeah ended up really focusing on the kind of film side of that program okay nice so do you do have you done any film work since not since college no okay i, I, I would like to and i'm interested but it's <clears throat> you know it's always something on the back of my mind. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. I'm glad you made that connection because again, it, it's music is just it's not a filler, but it's definitely always present for me personally in my life, right? And so I, everybody that I've talked to so far, they do something completely different, you know, from music, and then yeah. they music is still like this major part of their life, and it sounds like it's just a, a tracking uh, sentiment with you as well. So yeah, and and it's helpful when you know there's. <clears throat> It ebbs and flows when you're feeling inspired, when you have something to say. Sometimes you just have to live your life in order to kind of accumulate stories, accumulate uh, like a new energy. Yeah. And in the meantime, it's helpful to to do something else, you know, sure. to, to keep to keep the kind of creative flow going. But um, yeah, film has been that, painting has been that, yeah. whatever I can find. Because, you know, it's really a means of survival in a way. You know, Absolutely. You, you know, artists have to, they feed off your inspiration. And when, when that goes dry, it's like, you you got to, you got to look for it. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. you gotta do all you can to keep it going. 
That's right, man. Right on. I love it. Nice. <laughs> um, so I guess another question that I had uh, kind of before we get into everything else is who I love learning this about folks. Who are some of the artists that influence um, your music? Hmm. I would say, I mean, starting out, it was a lot of the 1960s singer songwriters. Okay. So Joni Mitchell, Carol King, James Taylor, when, when I was younger, when I was first writing songs, Bob mm-hmm. Dylan, the Beatles, mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, that, that whole era. Mm-hmm. But recently what's been inspiring more is just a lot of like piano jazz. I listen to a lot of Bill Evans, um, Chili Gonzalez okay. is one of my favorite piano players. Um, I love Chet Baker. He's been, his vocaling style, especially on this last record was a big influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Peterson, amazing singer and piano player. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really kind of a mixture of jazz, like late fifties kind of bebop jazz and then more poetic singer songwriter. Leonard Cohen is another one of them. Yeah. And it's been always an inspiration. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I definitely hear all of that, mm-hmm. but I wasn't expecting, um, I wasn't expecting that. So that's a nice eclectic gumbo of, of folks to, to inform a sound. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I guess who have you been, I mean, who have you been listening to the most, like in the last month or so? If you I mean, can there is just one record. We just got like the Spotify raps back, okay. you know, and every, like the top five songs are from this one record. And <laughs> her, it's, it's an album that was recorded in the mid sixties by this Ethiopian nun Okay. And her name is, I'll have to send it to you. It's, it's Emma who, and I don't know her last name, but it is just 10 songs of her channeling the spirit into piano. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just, I have that on repeat. Like I wake up, I put it on. It's very meditative. It's very just, it has, it's healing, you know? Absolutely. So it's, I mean, especially the year that we've had, I've needed a lot of, just very calming mm-hmm. uh, piano pieces. <laughs> so I really just listened to that lately. Yeah. That sounds like a very unique experience. A, a Ethiop- an Ethiopian nun yeah. and playing piano. Yeah, I've never heard anything like it. It's How's that? amazing record. Yeah. yeah. So please do share that with me because I'd love to, uh, to vibe out to that as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, you mentioned this a little earlier um, about a new record, mm-hmm. The Velvet Hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It just came out last, wait, no, we're in December now. So at the end of October. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't have come out at a better time, I'll say. <laughs> Again, I don't know if it's just because I associate with you with Auburn or, I mean, certain sounds, I get really nostalgic about my time at Auburn. And so mm-hmm. certain sounds remind me of, um, like the music that I was listening to, especially in my freshman year. So that was when Pandora was kind of a big deal. And I had a Feist <laughs> Pandora yeah. radio station. Okay. So you got Feist, Ingrid Michelson, um, a Cat Power, all these folks who are, you know, very kind of whimsical, but also just really fit into this, this uh, profile of autumn and cold weather and hot chocolate and everything right and so i feel like your album fits in right along with that that group it is so beautiful so um again whimsical i feel like i'm floating listening to a lot lot of it um and particularly with um the song that i chose to talk about the steady my hand really like right out from the, the beginning i'm just like like a feather just Huh, you know, I feel breathless, or weightless, excuse me, breathless too, breathtaking. Um, so uh, let's, yeah, a little bit of Steady My Hand. Steady my hand So that I may draw a straight line 
And I shake with the band So, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's only something behind Steady My Hand. Yeah, so I was living in Portland when I wrote that song. Okay. Um, I had just moved, I guess it was 2000, I think the winter of 2016, uh, maybe in 2017. And Trump had just got elected in November. And there were riots in the streets, Portland, mm-hmm. there were marches every day. I mean, I'd never seen experienced anything like that yeah. in my life. Portland turns up, apparently. It turned up. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that city. It's it's amazing. Um and part of that was, you know, just being present and feeling the weight of of the collective experience that we were mm-hmm. all going through. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and sitting with that vulnerability and that song in particularly it's it's kind of different vignettes of that time in my life of trying to like really get my shit together you know it's like i feel like when when trump got elected it not only exposed a lot of cracks in our system and in our institution mm-hmm. but that mirrors you know personal cracks and the trauma and the healing that we all have to go through in order to move forward as a society and that just like that hit me hard you know mm-hmm. um and i wasn't really expecting it and so yeah that, that song was just kind of a a desperate cry to the universe for for help for healing which is wow. something that we all need <laughs> yes so i think honestly it's it's interesting because you wrote it at his when he's elected and here we are kind of on the end other end of that right right i don't know if you timed that like on purpose <laughs> but it's yeah. um, beautiful i think I, honestly when you when you say it like that put it that way it's a very timely song i think a lot, a lot of people can get into it and find some inspiration and and some healing like you said in it um well wow, and thank you also for talking about being vulnerable again i think that's something i, I, I will say this over and over and over again like I, I want for people to be real with themselves and be honest with themselves and you have to be vulnerable to do that, right? And yep. um, to see, I, I admire people who model that for everyone else. And yep. yeah, I think this song definitely does that again. Um, so thank you for your work. <laughs> of course. Of course. Very great. Um, and so some of the, the lyrics, I don't want to tell everything, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. some of the, the, the lyrics, uh, the main chorus, I will share that because you hear it often. Um, it says, don't tell me that you love me. I'm a fragile kind of man. I got shit, but it ain't together. Who can cure my trembling hand? Mm-hmm. Hello, yeah. poetry. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really nice. Very honest, very straightforward. So, I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to tell us with that? that? I mean, that, again, it was just me, me realizing that I was, I was, I'd been closed off. I'd, I had certain blocks, whether it was unconscious or not, of trying to open myself up to be able to love, be able to feel true joy. Mm-hmm. And in that chorus, it's like, you know, I wrote it from a pretty depressed place. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I saw that I needed to get out of that was I I've got these, <clears throat> these walls, these blocks that we all have that we all carry around with us. And until you have that awareness, uh, you're kind of trapped by them, trapped by the fear of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. specifically with this chorus, it's like, don't, don't tell me you love me because I I'm not at a place to where I can receive that. Mm. And I've, I've got work to do on myself before I can be present to that kind of love. Yeah. And it's just admitting that, you know, mm. it's admitting that 
we all have a lot of work to do on ourselves mm-hmm. before we can truly be be whole, be complete. And and it's yeah. Yeah, that is a great spin on on that idea because I've always heard this, oh, you gotta love yourself first, blah blah blah, blah before you can receive love. And that's true. Um and I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that basically just the way you, but the way that you said it, you know, like, cause uh, <laughs> we can go on a long tangent with this. I love talking <laughs> about it, right? So, um, yeah. but yeah, it, 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 it's this love is this experience where you have to do some work to, to give and receive, you know, and mm-hmm. to, uh, and abide in it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sacred, elusive think you know and it's i don't know don't take it lightly uh you shouldn't and so it's i don't know i don't know um but you know some of the best cries for help come from you know a place of total deconstruction Mm -hmm. where you're you feel lost you feel like you're You've lost your sense of self. Mm-hmm. And that's when the good stuff happens. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you're totally stripped to your raw elements mm-hmm. of your consciousness, what you're made up of. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, these are these are spots that I need to breathe into, spend time into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's where I was writing this song. Wow. That kind of headspace. Yeah. Wow. Well, Again, again, this this hearing this explanation of the song will definitely create a whole new experience when I listen to it in its entirety. So that that definitely put even more weight on it and made it. It's a very uh, beautiful song. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but just well, we'll talk about that in a second. So, but fast forward to the next lyric, the next line I want to talk about. Um, it's uh, it's just a walk in the park. And it's mm-hmm. the smell of when it rains. The things that make us human since seem to make us all insane. And when you sang that line, I said, oh, <laughs> you know, <I> was like, <laughs> what? so uh, what are you saying? What are you saying here? It's that's a very profound line. Thank you for saying that. Um, at the time I was living um, in this house right across the street from this park in Portland and every day I'd go on walks and that was my that was my meditative time it was where I felt most connected it was my solace Mm -hmm. and again with just the way the world felt back in 2016 it was kind of an an observation of, of these vignettes of peace, of, of beauty that we have to hold on to, that we have to be aware of in order to make it through, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's as simple as just taking a walk in the park or is it simple as smell of, of the rain? You know, mm-hmm. the, these very subtle things that are happening all around us throughout our day mm-hmm. that until we kind of slow down and look around and take the time to experience them and to be fully present in them, mm-hmm. they just pass us by. Yeah. <clears throat> and that sort of contrasted with the, the other things that, that dictate our human behavior, whether it's fear, whether it's greed, it's, it's all kind of, I don't know that it was really just trying to capture the drama of it, of the, the whole process of looking for some sort of connection Mm -hmm. in the simple acts but also being aware of the larger frame of things. Mm -hmm. And that sort of process can make you feel a little, little crazy. You know, there's these instincts that, that we have that we act off of Mm -hmm. and 
if this is making any sense, I'm kind of rambling. But no, I'm following you. I'm following. Yeah. You. I mean, and it, it's true. I mean, the living is very difficult uh, in this day and age. I mean, we got. Well, I mean, for instance, just now in this year, we have had a pandemic and crazy election and there's all this. That's and that's like externally just from our personal day to day lives. Where we have to go to work or take care of family or do whatever. Um, and so and then we also have the whole social media complex <laughs> to, to contend with. Um, so, yeah, you have to do the work, I think, from what I'm getting from what you're saying is you have to do the work to make sure that we're balancing all that. into Yeah. To, right. Right. And to just allow ourselves space to feel things right and to be present with things and not be so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. yeah especially that's been a very i've heard that come up a lot this year um people trying to be productive hyper productive in this very non, non-productive environment um yeah so again i think this that's this song is a balm in that way it's a it's a it's beautiful you said it's a cry a cry for help or a cry for you know being still i think you did it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I hope people get all of these things out of it when they hear it. Um, what I was going to say earlier is particularly in the actual musical construction of it all, it's very well orchestrated. I think you, you know, um, and very well produced. I think you uh, connected with some good musicians, uh, wherever, whoever you uh, these folks are, you can talk about them uh, more. Um, particularly the way this song builds from like this very singular, you know, vocal and piano piece. And then by the end, you got this incredible swell. It was an experience listening, (laughs) you know, and it was very great. Tell me more about how you, how you made this. Well, I worked with, on the whole record, I worked with this amazing producer and musician named Juan Solorzano in Nashville. And he, he kind of, he kind of approaches, Producing the way I approach my songwriting is it's very kind of theatrical, cinematic, and lyrically I try to create different scenes mm-hmm. within each song. Mm-hmm. And he, he just we work so well together because he he can bring the color and the life into the scenes that I'm trying to sing about Mm -hmm. and know, know when to bring it really big or when, when it needs to just be just a piano and a vocal. Mm -hmm. And so on on that particular song, he did those beautiful string arrangements in the chorus that just gave it that really lush sort of ethereal Mm -hmm. sound. And I got the Secret Sisters to sing harmonies on that, which okay. just, you know, ele- elevated it to to the level that we wanted wanted to go. Seriously, so so uh, kudos to all of the folks involved on the, the track. Um, tell me, the Secret Sisters—that's a fun name. Tell me, who are? I'm intrigued. Who are they? <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're Alabama band. Oh, okay. Um, originally from Green Hill, Alabama. Um, one of them, Laura lives in Green Hill, and then Lydia lives in Birmingham. Okay. But yeah, they're a, an amazing band. They're actually up for two Grammys this year. Whoa. Uh, Randy Carlisle produced their last two records. Wow. And uh, yeah, just incredible people and musicians. Nice. I um, pulled up my phone to make a list of mm-hmm. folks to maybe reach out to for future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that they, they, um, just off the work that they've done with you alone, I'm I'm super impressed. So I'm gonna go back and have to listen to yeah, they're amazing to them. Um, and uh, so I'm curious about how you your writing regimen. I know some people will get up early in the morning, the elements and the spirit, and you know write. Or some people just might be walking to the grocery store and write a song that, like that. So how do you approach songwriting? You've been doing it since you were. A wee lad, it sounds like. So how how you how do you do it now? I mean, there, I'm not one of those like very disciplined writers that okay. I like sit at a desk okay. and I'm like I'm going to write for three hours, no matter what happens, no matter what I churn out. Um, it's just a really natural process. I mean, sometimes a song will take three months to write. Sometimes it'll take a week. You know, e- each kind of song. 
I approach differently. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of scribbled lines on napkins and notes mm -hmm. on my phone and just, mm -hmm. you know, when it hits you, it hits you, you got to write it down. But I do a lot of writing in my head. And so it'll usually just kind of start, start with a melody or something on the piano or guitar. And then from that, it really just replays over and over in my head throughout the day. Okay. And kind of maddening at times. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's making itself known. It wants to be let loose mm -hmm. and created. And so then, you know, I usually have the, the melody and the whole structure of the song. And by that time, you know, words are starting to sort of peer through the veil. Mm -hmm. Lyrics are coming through. And I have a sense of, of the mood of the, you know, it starts to take form. And then I usually write my lyrics last. Wow. Really, it's been like a long time on the lyrics. Usually like the melody and the instrumentation can come pretty quickly, but, but I'll sit on a lyric and like, if I need, you know, it's, it's an, it's an in, instinct thing, you know, mm -hmm. you know, when you have the lyric that is meant to be mm -hmm. that part in the, the verse or the chorus. And sometimes you just have to wait until it feels right. Okay. Sometimes you have to live a little more life in order for you to kind of catch up with what you're trying to write about. So yeah, each song is kind of different, but it's it's kind of a fluid process. Sure, I'm with you on yeah. that. I I don't really call myself a songwriter by any stretch of the imagination, but I I follow kind of a similar. Well, I do try to write. I follow a very similar regimen. Like I have some bits and pieces of songs from almost ten years ago, <laughs> yeah. probably ten years ago for sure. You know, yeah. and we'll come back. Like you said, I'm glad you gave me some a way to say this. Live the life to catch up to to what those lyrics are trying to say. Because yeah, yeah, who knows what what was coming out? Because a lot of times, I mean, you're writing to process your reality, yes. you know. And every once in a while, you tap into something that you may not know exactly what it's about yet, but mm -hmm. it's, it's something in the future. Mm -hmm. And so it feels honest. It feels right. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a weird spiritual pro like exercise, it you really know, is. Yeah. It really <laughs> you, you have to trust it. I mean, like, like faith comes at a big part of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you feel a certain resonance and even if, I don't know, for me, I just try to get out of my own head and get on my own way and just try to act as a, and it's, I don't always accomplish this, but just try to act as like a conduit of, of the creative energy that's coming through me. Even if I'm, you know, don't really necessarily understand it or can't really analyze it, it's not meant to be analyzed. It's just mm -hmm. meant to be expressed and yeah. so a lot of times it's just getting out of your own way out of your own head or ego or whatever in order for those things to right to work through you you know yeah right on yeah i'm, I'm right on with you that's awesome um so i guess uh another something else that i want to kind of go back to uh study my hand i was very so i'm sure you were gratified but i was very gratified whenever, <laughs> um you shared with us uh, I guess sometime in the last few weeks that study my hand was featured uh, on the in, in NPR music lists. Um, it's the Nashville recommendations here four new songs from the music city. I was like, Oh, look at this. How exciting, <laughs> you know, and yeah. the, the, the folks who talked about who discussed the song said a lot of the things that I was feeling. So it was like very, again, very affirming. Um, that's kind of a big deal <laughs> to have that song yeah, I mean, featured. So, I've been, yeah, I've been an admirer of, of Ann Powers for many years. She's just an unbelievable journalist. Mm -hmm. Works for NPR. Um, she she used to live in Alabama. She lives in Nashville now. And I would like see her out at shows mm -hmm. and try to talk to her, but you know, was too nervous. Um, but yeah, just to have her get the concept of the record, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it, it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a huge, 
huge victory. So how did you find out? And like, was it just, hey, <laughs> or? I mean, it was it was a lucky email, honestly. Okay. Um, and, you know, in this email correspondence, she, she was basically, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll say that me being kind of unknown and um, there not being like a big release on this record, mm-hmm. it's kind of working to my advantage, I think. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, she found it really mysterious and because she never heard of me mm-hmm. and never heard of this album and it has all these uh, collaborators on it. But yeah, and then we I got an email from uh, World Cafe and NPR to send some the track and to, you know, that was going to happen. So yes, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Well, congratulations Thanks. Uh, on that. I mean, again, it's kind of, it's your first album and then within the first month, you're like getting some shout outs. I, I think that's great progress. If you're looking for that kind of thing, you know, that, kind yeah. Of, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So what does it mean for you to be included on this? Li- I mean, so it's a big achievement to me and I guess to you too. So what does it mean for you? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Well, another artist on this, on, on that interview, on that, that list was Molly Pardon, who she sang four songs on my record. She sang back, she sang some, some backgrounds on that. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of hers and the producer that I worked with one, he her guitar player. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was cool to, uh, to be on that with her. And then um, on that feature, the Brummies, who was a Birmingham band, they were on there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just—I was not not expecting it. <laughs> it was it was a shock for sure. Wow. Well, again, uh, I think it's a good sign of again the, the work that you're creating and what's to come. And I'm really just all behind you and really excited to see what comes of it. Um, so uh, now, I guess we'll hear "Study My Hand" in its entirety and. We'll give you guys some uh, a moment to feel like you're floating, like I felt. <laughs> uh, enjoy steady my hand. War Eagle, everyone. This is Katie listening in from Denver. I'm so excited to be seeking higher ground with Higher Ground Society. This Thursday, Higher Ground Society will launch its newest signature program, Chat for Change. Chat for Change is a series that seeks to engage a virtual audience and explore various perspectives through thoughtful conversation. Through this series, we're going to model how to have tough yet open, honest discussions with friends, family members, or strangers. After each online discussion, we hope the conversations will spill over into Alabama communities, helping us all grow together. The first three Chat for Change sessions will be themed Love Out Loud. With this theme, we will begin by looking at self-love, followed by love in our relationships, both romantic and platonic. In the end, we'll wrap up by focusing on the love that binds our communities. Join us on Facebook this Thursday, January 28th at 6 p.m. to be a part of the very first Chat for Change Love Out Loud conversation. Those who contribute to the live conversation in the comments will be eligible to win a giveaway prize at the end of the evening. Don't miss out. We hope to see you there. This is C.A. Jones, and here's my song for my new album, The Velvet Hour, Steady My Hand. translator 
That was Steady My Hand by our first guest of 2021, C.A. Jones, or Chandler, as we know him. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, It's honestly one of my favorite songs out right now. The song that opened up this episode, the one that's playing right now, is also by Chandler, and it's called The Fortune Teller. Both of these songs are from Chandler's latest album, The Velvet Hour, which you can find wherever you stream your music. Check it out for some more chill vibes. Oh, and by the way, did you hear that greeting from our friend Katie in Denver? That was pretty cool, huh? (laughs) Well, you too can be featured on a future Higher Ground Society podcast episode. Just visit highergroundsociety.org and check out the podcast page under the program section. At the bottom of that page is our voicemail with some instructions on how to leave a message. So go on, don't be shy. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Now, Chandler has more to share about his life and music, so look out for part two of our conversation, which should be out on Thursday, January 28th. For now, though, I'd like to thank Chandler for his time and insight. I would also like to thank you for listening. It's always great to have you along. Until next time, take care. Be kind enough to see from both.